I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, everybody. As the world is mourning the loss of one of Hollywood's absolute greats, Trekkies everywhere have been flocking to watch Star Trek VI The Undiscovered Country. Who was Christopher Plummer's General Chang? How did he come to be aboard Kronos One? How did he come to be the prosecutor at Kirk and McCoy's trial? And what connection did he have to Green Lantern? All these questions in mind, I am Sean Ferrick for Trek Culture and here are 10 things you never knew about General Chang. Now, starting with the look of the character. Now, as you'll know from seeing pictures or from seeing the film, he looks quite different from your standard Klingon. Now, he doesn't have the really pronounced head ridges and he doesn't have the big wild hair. That is because effectively Christopher Plummer said, nah. Leonard Nimoy had several phone calls back and forth with Plummer when it came to taking the role. You see, Nicholas Meyer had written the character of General Chang with only Christopher Plummer in mind. He was not about to take anybody else for this role. Plummer, for his part, didn't want to be, you know, covered underneath all of that heavy prosthetic makeup. No, back in the 60s, he would have been grand because it was smooth-headed, just kind of a normal curly wig on most of the Klingons. But as the movie budgets had come along, starting with the motion picture, and you had Mark Leonard playing that Klingon commander, they'd started to add the ridges. Of course, this is just to make them look cooler on the big screen, but it presented an issue Plummer. Eventually a compromise was reached. Plummer said okay I'll take some of the ridges but let's dial them back and they really were like they're really really subtle and he said no flat out to the hair. So his General Chang is fairly bald there's a little bit of a ponytail at the back there but although his Klingon was you know kind of a normal shaped skull Interesting to note that some of the Star Trek Discovery Season 1 Klingons were a little bit evocative of Chang, obviously with a little bit of embellishment. One of the most distinctive pieces of Chang's appearance is that eye patch over where, you know, his left eye used to be. Now, there was a joke in the props department, okay? So this thing is secured by three rivets directly into the man's skull. Solid pass. But on each of those rivets, there was a little Klingon emblem painted on. Now, as I say, this was just done for a joke, but it actually goes a little bit toward, you know, highlighting Chang's patriotism. It's a bit like, here I am wearing a NASA t-shirt with the American flag and my strong American accent. It's 
His way of always walking around with the emblem on him at all times, because you know, you'd hardly just pop that off at night now, would you? While it was never designed to be seen on screen, it is a little bit of a telltale as to where Chang's head is at. For him, the Empire is something that's always with him, and that is something that plays into his motivations in this film. Now, one of the behind-the-scenes gags about Chang is that apparently he was so well-respected that he was above the Dahar Masters. Now, the Dahar Masters, Kor, Koloth, and Kang, are three of basically the original Klingons, the big guys. You had Michael and Sarah as Kang, who was introduced in Day of the Dove in the original series. You had Koloth, played by William Campbell, who was introduced in Trouble with Tribbles. And of course, you had Kor, who was introduced in Errand of Mercy, which is, of course, the episode that introduced the Klingons. Now, John Kalikos came back in, well, they all came back in season two of Deep Space Nine, Blood Oath. Unfortunately, only John Kalikos survived that episode. And as he was returning to film his second episode for Deep Space Nine, The Sword of Kalos, he tried to pull rank. He tried to go like, oh, to hire master here. Can I lose the wig? Because as you might remember, Kor has a big mane of hair. And he was told, no. So John Kalikos jokes that apparently you need to be at the level of General Chang and Christopher Plummer before they'll let you have a shears in Star Trek. Chang's story mirror images a real life story. Klaus von Stauffenberg, who was pretty much essential in Operation Valkyrie during the Second World War, attempted to have Hitler killed by planting a bomb nearby. Now, unfortunately, that assassination attempt failed. But the entire point behind it was to show the world that Hitler's beliefs were not necessarily Germany's beliefs. Now, into Star Trek VI, you had Chang, who organised with other Klingons to have Gorkin assassinated. It was his way of showing that Gorkin's beliefs were not representative of all of the Klingons' beliefs. Now, this is a mirror image because Gorkin was, of course, preaching peace with the Federation, which is a little bit different from what Hitler was preaching. While their intentions came from their own noble beliefs, Chang's, of course, was to continue hostilities, whereas von Stauffenberg's was to end them. Taken as depicted in Star Trek VI, Christopher Lummer's Chang is effectively just a baddie, you know? You know, he has his own president killed. He, you know, fires on his own ship. He's not a nice bloke. Now, A.C. Crispin's novel, Sarek, actually goes a little way to redeeming him. So this novel is set after the events of Star Trek VI. So the Kittimer Peace Accords are they're underway, and Sarek discovers that a member race of the Federation, the Freelands, have been conspiring with Vulcan aides to telepathically take control of high-ranking Klingon officials. Now, why are they doing that? Well, the Freelands are the Romulans. And when have the Romulans ever been happy about peace? Let's just be honest. So they've actually been conspiring to manipulate events so that the peace talks will break down. By doing so, they are telepathically controlling these Klingon officials. Now, it doesn't out and out say that Chang was a victim, but it does suggest that 
it's it's not a done deal that he was an out and out baddie. So it may not be much, but it does just go a little bit towards suggesting that maybe some of the conspirators in Star Trek VI were not altogether responsible for their actions. Now, one of the standout scenes in Star Trek VI is of course Kirk and McCoy's trial on Kronos. It's absolutely brilliant. Christopher Plummer is playing it for the back seats in this scene. They're defended by Colonel Worf, who, sorry Colonel Worf, but rubbish. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I could have done a better job myself. I have done, I have watched this scene. That is my training in law and I still could have done better than Colonel Ward anyway. He's directing every single scene just with his voice. Up against McCoy, he accuses him of being incompetent. He calls Kirk the architect of this entire sad endeavor, and he gets more and more animated. Now, this bit of the scene is in fact based on a real life event. As Chang gets so worked up, he roars at Kirk, not to wait for the translation that's coming through the Universal Translator by his ear, but to answer him now, damn it, now. This is a direct reference to US Ambassador Adlai Stevenson. During the Cuban Missile Crisis, Representative Stevenson gave a presentation at the UN where he demanded, as he got more and more animated, that Valerian Zarin, the USSR representative, answer him right now, yes or no, when the man seemed to hesitate about answering the question, had the USSR placed missiles in Cuba? Zarin said, I'll get to you when I get to you, chill out. But that scene was lifted almost wholesale for this moment. It adds a bit more realism, especially when you think that the context of the film is effectively about the fall of the Berlin Wall, but in space, the explosion of Praxis is Chernobyl, and the Klingons represent the USSR, and of course the Federation represents the US. All of these things have their marks in reality. In Star Trek Deep Space Nine, season five, episode one, Apocalypse Rising, while the crew are trying to figure out how best to deal with the information that they think Chancellor Gowron is a changeling, Worf, Sisko, O'Brien, and Odo attempt to infiltrate a ceremony that Gowron is going to be, you know, taking care of about inducting warriors into the Order of the Batleth. This is taking place on a planet called Tiger Core, wherein there is the Hall of Warriors. Now, the Hall of Warriors contains the statues of the greats of Klingon history. You've got Kalos the Unforgettable, who would have been obviously the big one. You've also got Chang. John Eves designed a statue that was somewhere between a joke and a tribute because technically. Chang is one of the greatest traitors in Klingon history, and yet, clearly, enough people respected him to give him a statue there. Now, Klingon spy Arn Darvin, who was, of course, revealed in The Trouble with Tribbles and returned in Trials and Tribulations only a couple of episodes after this, suspected that by killing Kirk, he would have a statue placed in the Hall of Warriors. That suggests that only the very greatest Klingon heroes get a place in here. Chang is there. Later in season seven of Deep Space Nine, when things are going a bit mm, for the Klingons because Gowron has effectively lost his mind, Esri sits Worf down and says, the Klingon Empire is old, it's dying, and she believes it deserves to die. 
Now, Worf doesn't particularly like this, but she thinks that at this stage, everything is about protecting the Empire to the point where they will just hide the crimes of the past. There's a statue of Chang standing in the Hall of Warriors that seems to support her theory. In 2015, IDW Publishing put out Star Trek Green Lantern The Spectrum War. Now, this is set in the Kelvin universe, but the alternate General Chang appears. He is aboard the IKS Moktuvar, and he's about to attack the Enterprise, but Green Lantern rocks up. Thanks, Hal. Star. Now, bit of a problem, because a yellow power ring finds its way to Chang, turning him into a yellow lantern. Now, yellow's about fear, and yep, Chang fits the bill. Although he is unable to defeat the Enterprise, he does rock himself back to Kronos and kills the High Council, setting himself up as the Emperor. Now, he then comes in contact with Sinestro. Now, Sinestro effectively whoops him because he's got so much more practice with the ring, but he then works with him to attack the Red Lanterns, Atrocitus and Glocon, who is a Gorn, which I just think is fantastic, and the Orange Lanterns, Larflees, and the Romulan Praetor Decius. After this, while they're flying through space, there's a bit of a problem because Spock is chosen to then embody all of the colors of the spectrum, which means that the power rings abandon Glocon Decius and Chang, which means the alternate Chang dies in the vacuum of space. He's not doing too well, Chang, is he? While not shown on screen, Chang is in fact one of the original Klingon generals. Now he was a general in 2293, which is when the events of the Undiscovered Country are set. But back in the 2260s, which was the original series, he was in fact, now well it's not on screen, he was one of the generals controlling the Klingon fleet in the episode Errand of Mercy. So this was the very short-lived Federation Klingon War of 2267. That led on from the, again, short but devastating war of 2257. The Federation fleet and the Klingon fleet came into contact around the planet of Organia. Now, that was going to be a bit of a problem because they were fairly evenly matched. There was no guarantee as to who was going to win this fight. Down on the planet, you had Kirk and Spock and you had Kor. The people of Organia, the Organians themselves, they had given the impression that the Klingons could, you know, oppress them and take over because they just didn't want to fight. They were, in fact, a highly advanced race of non-corporeal beings. They imposed the Treaty of Organia on Federation and Klingons, which meant that nobody could fight. They effectively manipulated matter so that all of the weapons on every ship and every handheld weapon were too hot to touch. They couldn't fight if they wanted to. That meant that up in space, you had Chang with an entire fleet of D7s behind him, unable to do anything. He got this close to fully taking on the Federation and it was taken away from him. Although it wasn't particularly the Federation's fault, that left him seething just a little bit. And then the final point about Chang is actually some backstory that was delivered by the fantastic video game Star Trek Klingon Academy. Now for this, Christopher Plummer returned to play the part. It's set before the events of Star Trek VI and it actually suggests that long before the, that Gorkon ever became the Chancellor, Chang did not support the man 
even when they were in the High Council together. You see, Gorkin was Chief of Staff to the Chancellor at the time. That Chancellor was challenged by a Klingon called Kaldon. Chang took on Kaldon, beat him in one-to-one -one combat, but lost his eye in the process. Things kind of settled again for a little while until the Chancellor died. Gorkin was the next in line as Chief of Staff. However, Kaldon's brother Melkor was having none of it. He established himself as a, a false emperor, basically staging a coup and splitting the empire. Now, Chang, while he was no supporter of Gorkin's, was definitely no supporter of Melkor's. And he engaged him again and again and again. However, he was losing the fight. So he teamed up with Gorkin and together their forces managed to overthrow Melkor and restore the empire to what it was supposed to be. Gorkin was elevated up to chancellor and as a reward for this, Chang was elevated to chief of staff. Now that, although it seems like a nice gesture on the part of Gorkin, actually set in motion the chain of events that led to both men's deaths. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. <laughs> 